welcome into the Crosstown Baseball Show here, April 10th, day after Easter. Hope everyone had a great Easter. Um, and of course, I'm your host, Anthony Shulo, joined as always um, by my co-host, Anthony Romanelli. Um, and we're your home for all things Cubs and Sox from a, uh, a pretty cool uh, fan perspective, if I, if I do say so myself. Uh, Romanelli, how was your weekend? How are you doing? It was good. I'm doing well. Um, as good as expected with the Cubs sitting at 500. Ooh. Um, ex- exactly where I hoped that they would be at the end of the year. Uh, so we're they're right where I'm hoping that they'll be in 158 plus games or whatever. Well, and, every, and everyone knows April 10th, it's, it's never too early to make those long-term projections, obviously. Right. Sitting in a solid fourth place, but uh, doing better than the Cardinals, so life is good. Yeah, we're going to get into that. You know, I didn't have it on my rundown here, but I, I do want to ask you about that later in the show because it just seems to be a shit show down there in St. Louis in the land of boring, so we're going to dive into it. Do you, know who, do you know who else is boring now? Who? You didn't hear? Atlanta. Yeah. No. What do you mean by that? Please hold. I got to know what you mean by that, because uh, uh, do you mean by the way they're playing? Did someone comment that they were boring? Because I love it. Dansby Swanson on Wrigley and the Cubs fans. This is the best atmosphere I've ever played in. Atlanta fans are boring and mostly bandwagon. I did not see this. Is that a real quote? Wow. How did I miss that? So he really thought he really thinks, I mean, after he, after he wins the world series in Atlanta, he thinks that they're bandwagon. He now understands the aura of Wrigley. He now understands true cub fans. Good for him. That's, that's fantastic. And I think the excitement is genuine. I think he really, really loves playing there. Well, he picked Wrigley and he picked the Cubs for a reason, and I'm glad you, you brought him up early here because we are going to spend some time today, folks. Um, talking about Dansby, I know Romanelli has some great things to say about Dansby. wants to kind of highlight that today. Um, we have a full docket of things today. I want to talk about um, just how the Cubs and Sox have been doing over the, over the last week. Um, want to discuss Bob Nightingales, uh, who writes for the USA Today. His piece uh, last week talked about the Cubs being a sleeper for Shohei Otani. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about some Sox injuries. Uh, they're back again. Um, didn't take very long. And then we're going to um, talk about some ballpark food at the end of this to end, end a Monday evening. But I uh, want to talk about the Cubs first. Um, you know, it's been an interesting uh, couple days for the Cubs. Last time we talked, they were actually um, wrapping up a, if I could pull up my, for some reason, my screens are being very weird. Okay. Um, so they recently wrapped up a series. When we last spoke last week, they were playing the Reds. They ended up splitting that series one-to-one because they had a rain uh, postponement uh, Wednesday the 5th. That was uh, last Wednesday. And then they played the Rangers this weekend and actually took two of three. Um, was kind of surprised. Yeah, uh, it was a nice surprise. The Rangers, with their pitching out of the gate, had kind of showed Major League Baseball that they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. 
Now all of a sudden your 500 Cubs come in, well, they were not 500 at the time, uh, but decide to come in and take two or three. Uh, so if that Cubs pitching can right its ship, um, there might be good things ahead, uh, potentially above five, dare I say above 500? Dare I, I mean, say it? Hey, I mean, pitching matters. And, and you mentioned pitching. Before we go any further, I want to ask you about Stroman because on uh, on the the Saturday game, excuse me, it was the um, the Friday game, Friday the 7th, they won 2-0. And a lot of that was because of Stroman. He's now two and zero, and still has no no ERA, a big goose egg um, for his ERA. I mean, he's been coming out looking like an ace pitcher. Yeah, he he really has. I initially had my doubts that he was going to be all hype and no follow through, and and he's come through and then some. Uh, between him and Steele, what they ended up with the lowest ERA that the Cubs won two starters have had since 1906. That's huge. Yes. So if and when Hendricks comes back, if uh, Talion, the poor dude, is just getting – not that he's getting beat up, but he's not having, having good luck right now. Sure. Um, but with the one-two for sure, you get at least one more solid pitcher in there, um, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy where they are right now, to be honest with you. Um, they're in the top 15 in pitching, so that's okay. Uh, their ERA, what? They're just over four a run, four runs a game. That's a yeah. little higher. That's a little higher than I would like, but that's the bullpen. That's on the bullpen. Uh, sure. And we know we know right now, uh, even though we're only eight games in, we know that that's an, an issue. And and I think that that's the fear that Ross had. I would say that that's his biggest concern. That's my guess. Is that is by far his biggest concern. It's a solid guess, and I think that would certainly be the case. I mean, we talked about before we were live here a moment ago um, that Javier Assad was optioned to AAA. I mean, yesterday during the, that that, uh, that final game against the Rangers, three innings pitched, three earned runs. Yes. Um, yeah. It just was not locating really anything all game. And, and I've told you, I mean, this is going to be a year for them where – if I'm the Cubs, I'm just kind of throwing arms up in the major league, seeing who sticks and seeing what these guys got. Yep. And I think they would be wise to play the hot hands all year. And, and I think that means if guys need to come up, like Morel's tearing it up down in the in AAA right now. Uh, and so is, oh my God, Mervis. Yeah. Um, I, but. Hosmer, I think, knows that Mervis is coming, and all of a sudden Hosmer has more RBIs than anybody on the Cubs. So uh, I find that intriguing. Um, so Hosmer's being forced to play play well, uh, and he's, he is. He's playing well. Um, no complaints right now. None. That no, that that's that's great to hear. I think all things considered, and again, this is comes with the all veil. All things considered, and comes with that veil of expectations, right? Like I think you and I both know when we did our preview a couple weeks ago, we talked about this team going through all spring training. We were like, hey, 500 would be great. Yep. Let's see some progress. And if you, if we are, if we're having this conversation in June, they're at 500, but we're seeing some really solid performances. I think we're going to be pretty happy. I think so too. Yeah, I really do. Now, I will put a little asterisk here. Now, I know it is only seven, eight games of the season. I will, I, will, I will make two observations. One, the Brewers are 
hitting. And two, St. Louis, something's brewing down there, and it is not looking good. Nope. Um, and I couldn't be happier. They can suck it. No. Um, <laughs> I, it's interesting that they're sitting in the last place. Um, when you've got, you know, the, the two teams that everybody watches for in the division in the Cardinals and the Cubs, everybody always watches the Cardinals because they're always good. They just are. I'll give them credit where credit's due. I don't have to like them, but I'll give credit where credit's due. And it seems sure. like there's, it seems like their ship is sinking and it's way early. And again, everything is going to end to eventually turn around. The Cardinals will come back. The Brewers will fall and the Cubs will end up somewhere in the middle. And we'll see. But uh, I'm happy with uh, them playing in the basement right now. I don't care how long it lasts. Um, uh, <laughs> but I, if I remember correctly, did I hear that there was like inner team turmoil? Yeah, yeah. To, to make a long story short, essentially, um, the, one of the Cardinals outfielder, outfielders, Tyler O'Neill, um, wasn't, wasn't hustling to score a run. Um, I don't know if he ended up being out or not. I don't remember that finer detail, but essentially um, Ali Marmel, the Cardinals manager called him out in the, in front of the press at right. a post game conference. And obviously Tyler O'Neill didn't take kindly to that. So there was some, you know, back and forth barbs through the media. Obviously I'm sure they had a direct conversation, but I, I just am not seeing that team clicking on all cylinders again, nine games into the season, but you know, I think it, I'm very surprised with how Milwaukee has come out kind of guns a blazing. I mean, some of their young players like this Garrett Mitchell kid, this outfielder, geez, he hits the ball well. And he's he just does hit the ball fantastic. Well. Yep. Um, I wonder if Council has finally gotten enough fire under himself and his abilities to manage to do to click all the right buttons at all the right times because that kid is playing really well. Their pitching is really well. I was shocked at the Cubs, uh, how well they won on opening day. I was there, how they just beat Milwaukee up. That he was with that guy led in the, led the national league in strikeouts last year. And the Cubs played with him like it was nothing. And so you thought, okay, here we go. And now all of a sudden Milwaukee's turned it right back around. Cause actually that, that guy lost his first two starts, if I'm not mistaken, the Milwaukee stud, he lost his first yeah. two starts. If I remember correctly. And in, in and Go since ahead. then they've turned. I'm sorry. And since then they've turned it around. They have, and and it's it's. I always tell people, right? I mean, this is a game. If you learn anything about baseball, it's a game of, it's a game of endurance. It is a marathon, mm -hmm. not a sprint. And yep. so I look at, you know, example. I look at uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are starting the season nine and zero, nine and nine. But has anyone been to pick them to win the World Series? Probably not. So let's just keep it in perspective for some of you who whether you're a Cubs fan, a Sox fan, and you're going, oh, this looks so shitty, and this player is doing X, and this player is doing Y, put on the brakes, friends. It's okay. It's April 10th. We'll get there. Yep. We're eight games in. Yes. Um, so if we look at the Cubs' uh, kind of upcoming schedule here, they are live currently at the top of the second, still 0-0 against the Seattle Mariners. Yep. Um, they have a three game series today through Wednesday with the Mariners. They have an off day on the 13th, which is this Thursday. And then they do the West coast road trip Dodgers and athletics athletics. They should be able to take two of three. Um, 
they should. Uh, Dodgers, really interested to see how they play this weekend against the Dodgers. Yeah, uh, the Dodgers are a litmus test, I would say, for the whole league. Um, yeah. And so we'll see how they do. If they if they can split that series, again, I'll be happy. Anything above that, I'll be ecstatic. Uh, but but I think I think the Cubs need to go into every series believing they can take the series, uh, and then coming away at five hundred. <laughs> go yeah. into every series thinking you're going to kick ass, and then you know the realization will hit you. But if if Ross can do a good job and, and keep them above five at or near 500. I, again, I don't even want to say under 500, screw that. Yeah. If they're starting off like this, I think um, the Cub fans will continue to stay happy. Certainly, certainly. And let's, let's move over to talking about kind of the Cubs and injuries. I, I do want to talk about injuries as we kind of get through the first half of the first month of the season, um, particularly um, obviously the Sox injuries um, is what initially wanted me to have this conversation. But since we're talking about it, let's talk about some of the things happening for the Cubs. First and foremost, a reminder folks, you know, we just talked about here, Romanelli brought up, you know, the starting rotation outside of Stroman and steel, little shaky. Well, let's not forget the Cubs will have some reinforcements in Kyle Hendricks come May. The last update from him was that he actually completed, he faced hitters in a live uh, BP session on uh, April 7th. And then um, today, actually, he completed a bullpen session. There were no issues. Um, and he's going to have another batting practice workout um, or uh, BP workout in the near future. So all signs look like he's doing well. Um, I think, honestly, if it's me, if everything remains the same, I'm thinking he swaps out Smiley when he comes back in May. I would agree. Um, the only problem with that is that's another left-handed pitcher. So they're yeah. going to have to, you know, they're going to have to find another left-handed pitcher somewhere. So hopefully they have somebody uh, in Iowa who's doing well. Um, I know with Assad going down, um, actually uh, Velasquez is coming up to take his roster spot. So yes. they'll throw, they'll throw him in right field for the, for the interim until Suzuki comes back, which could be in the next week yes. or less or, or less. So the Velasquez move him coming up instead of bringing up maybe a left-handed pitcher um, is interesting to me, but uh, Master Boney or whatever his last name was, was a hot mess out in right field. They've, they've cost themselves, a couple runs defensively in the outfield. Uh, we've talked about them up the middle. They're fine. But this is now showing how badly they need Suzuki's play. And again, we talked about the Cubs being at 500 at the end of the season. I know it's eight games in, but playing 500 ball if everything goes right. And right now they're playing 500 ball and they're just minus Suzuki, but they're also just minus Hendricks. So they're a little bit above par as far as I'm concerned realistically they're above par right now even at 500 they're playing above par ball yeah and, and they're gonna get suzuki back up pretty quickly here so uh david ross said today that kind of the best case scenario is that um suzuki's probably joining the team um on their road trip to the west coast so in, in okay. as early as the dodger series so he actually he's done two games so far in triple a for a rehab assignment two for five 
um, with a walk. So, I mean, he's getting on base. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see what this team looks like when Suzuki comes back. Let's not, let's, you know, let us not forget this, the same Suzuki that in spring training, we were talking about how much muscle this guy had put on and right. his game, game action will be very interesting. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. All right. Um, let's move over to the White Sox. Why, uh, shall we? Because, um, a very interesting last couple series they've had. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, right now, if you could believe it, the White Sox have the most hits of any team in Major League Baseball. And they also have the most extra base hits of any team in Major League Baseball. Okay? That I did not know. Um, it's pretty crazy. I, I'm like, I, from my perspective regarding, uh oh. Oh, thank God. I thought my computer was going to crash. All of a sudden, I got the little... Oh, no, you're here. You're with me. Um, yeah, I didn't know that about the White Sox. I knew the Cubs were... What are we? Eighth? No, sorry. I'm sorry. Sixth in hitting. Uh, Not bad. Yeah, the Cubs are sixth in average at 275. The White Sox are at 287 average-wise. So they're, what, fourth in Major League Baseball, and the Cubs are sixth. Do you believe that? That's crazy. Both, both Cub, I'm sorry. Both Chicago teams are top ten. That's nuts. Let's, I mean, we'll see if if they can hold it through nine games. But, um, I mean, the way I like to frame how the Sox are doing right now is, you know, folks, they are leading in just pure hits, pure extra base hits. They're leading Major League Baseball. Having said that, they are five and six, okay, to start the season. Now, when you look at the last kind of couple series that the Sox have gone through, um, obviously they wrapped up that series with the giants. We talked last week, how I'd gone to opening day and saw a treacherous opening day, uh, where they lost 12 to three, you go and look at the other two games that they played last week against the giants. They pulled one out. They pulled a win out seven to three. And then Thursday they lost to them 16 to six. Now, now I'm going to go ahead and give you the scores for their last six games. And I'm going to share an observation that I have opening day. They lost 12 to three Yep. Wednesday. They won seven to three. Okay, great. Thursday, they lost 16 to six Friday. They started that series in Pittsburgh. They lost 13 to nine Saturday, Saturday. They won 11 to five yesterday. They, they lost one to zero against the pirates. So they lost two or three against the pirates. Don't even get me started about that right now, but here's my problem with this team right now. There's a lot of things to like. Things are going very well when they're hitting the way that they're hitting. This is the way we always thought this White Sox team can hit when healthy, when all performing to the way we think these guys are going to perform. They're going to be one of the best hitting lineups in the league all year long. If they are consistent, that's number one. Number two is these games that they're losing. They're scoring Six runs, nine runs, four runs. That tells me that the pitching is not doing its job. And sure enough, they aren't. Um, This rotation has been really hit or miss. Um, The only one that's been consistent over their two starts so far is Dylan Cease. Go figure. He has an under two ERA. But Lucas Giolito's having some trouble. Uh, Mike Clevenger, after his start with the, with the Astros, um, had some trouble Saturday against the Pirates. Um, it There seems to be some shakiness with both the bullpen and the starting rotation. And while that's scary, they're still five and six. 
And I just tend to think, can you imagine if that rotation gets itself in order three, four times through the rotation, they're cooking at the end of April and they're still hitting. Ooh, that's a good spot to be in. That is a good spot to be in. I think uh, what's interesting about that is that's even a little bit more sad regarding or, or on the side of the White Sox. If you're hitting the ball that well and you're still losing, uh, you you actually have bigger pitching problems right now than the Cubs. Sure, sure. Um, it, that's a fair you just, statement. You just do. And that's a little scary. Um um, yeah. so, so I'll give you this. Here's this for some numbers, folks. I do like to look at these numbers here because they kind of tell the story. Um, if you look at the Cubs um, starting five, or excuse me, the White Sox starting five, you have Dylan Cease has an ERA over, over, uh, over three games of 165. The rest of the starters have logged two games. Lance Lynn is at a nine ERA. Michael Kopech is at a six, seven, five. Mike Clevenger's not terrible at a 348. That's pretty good. Lucas Giolito at a nine. I mean, this is – that's getting up there. And we always talk about ERAs. Like, you know, I have the teacher, Romanelli, in the house here. We talk about grades. When you have a really shitty grade and you start the term with a shitty grade, it's hard to get yourself up. When yep. you start the year with a bad ERA, it's hard to get yourself down. So yep. very interested to see what happens here. Yeah, and if we look at the Cubs pitching, you've got Stroman and yeah. Steele, uh, Stroman and Steele, an ERA of zero and 0.75. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. That's a perfect word. Uh, oh. Even Thompson has come in and done really, really well. His ERA is under two. Yeah. He's at 169. And then Alzale, who to me, like he's right on the fence of being like exceptional. Um, and he's at what? He, he 3.85. Um, with his ERA, and that's just a tad over four innings pitched. So that's not too bad. Um, Stroman leads the Cubs in strikeouts. That's not surprising at all. Uh, yeah, I'm super happy with their their pitching. Uh, well, I take that back. With Stroman and Steele, you and I talked about that from the beginning. Stroman's your guy. Steele's my guy. Uh-huh. Um so we'll, we talked about Assad going down. Uh, Smiley's a hot mess, but I said that to you in spring training. When Rios had his day with him, I was like, it's over. I was like, Smiley should be done. And then, sure enough, on was it Sunday? Rios finally gets to play D or hit as a DH. His first at bat, boom, gone, homer. Yes. That's that boy's awesome. got power. That boy's got power. He needs to play more. And you know what? He may be one of those guys that when you give Rios, some guys do not perform unless they have regular at-bats, and that's just the truth. Maybe Rios yeah. is the guy. You put him out there, and he's getting regular at-bats, two or three at-bats a game every other day. Maybe you start to see that production. Yeah, and and let's hope. Uh, let's hope. I don't want him to go the four and five days uh, without playing. Something about him. I, I like him. I could be off base, but I think if if he's given the time, uh, he'll be, he'll be good. Um, yeah. yeah, he certainly will be. I want to come back um, to the Cubs in a second because I don't want to forget our uh, asking you about Dansby Swanson. So we'll hold that for yeah. a moment. But okay. um, before we wrap up, uh, just the talk of the last week, I do want to talk about some of the injuries that that the White Sox are facing. Now, you know, we we've talked about all off season, all spring training that. 
the success of this team is going to rely on whether or not they can keep the team on the field. Um, and there is an old adage out there, and it's one of my favorites. What is the best ability that a baseball player can have? From availability. Offense? Availability. Uh, oh, thank, you. availability. thank you. I've been here all week. <laughs> the bet I have been, and it's only Monday. I the best ability is availability, and this is going to prove crucial for the White Sox in 23. And so if we look at what they've experienced so far, um one of the things that really got the fans all riled up the other day was um Eloy Jimenez, um April 5th. Um was put on the DL or the, I keep saying the DL, the old days of the DL. He was put on the uh, 15 day um, IL list uh, because of a, um, a groin issue when he was running. So that's a problem because with Eloy, he tends to be one of those guys that always ends up on the IL. And always. here's the thing, but here's the thing with, here's the thing with him. And this is what I get worried about now. Before we talk about the other folks, you know, we have Joey before I get before I get to Eloy, because that's a conversation. I want to come back to it because that's going to take a moment. Joe Kelly um, yesterday when the bench or the other day when the bench is cleared, um, he friggin ran out and he messed up his groin. He has a right groin strain. So he's on the DL or on the IL. He's an idiot. That was stupid. (laughs) And then, folks, um, Tim Anderson left the game today with yep. pain, pain in his knee. So we have no updates on if this is going to be day-to-day, if he's going to have an IL stint. But this is where I do start to get concerned because these things I, – I could deal with a week. That's fine, whatever. But people don't realize that when you're on the IL for 15 days, I mean, starting 150 games a year goes to 135 real quick. Yep. Yep, and Anderson has been—I don't want to say oft injured because that's not quite the case—but he's sure. had his—he's had his share of injuries, and that share has made them less than productive, um, and and less than they should be as a team. Uh, the same way, and I wholeheartedly believe this, uh, at least from an offensive perspective. Uh, the White Sox go as Anderson goes, the same way the Cubs went as Contreras went. Um, yes. Now, from a defensive perspective or a pitching perspective, obviously the White Sox go as Cease goes. Um, so that kind of almost goes without saying. So, but the injury, the injuries to the White Sox, if you notice, it's the same two guys it's Anderson and it's Eloy. Your same two guys are injured. So, here's what I'll say about this. So, there is a lot of folks out there. And I, I would agree with them for the most part. The best hitter on this team, the best pure hitter, when you talk about contact, contact back to ball, power on base, is Eloy Jimenez. Now, let's take a trip through the time machine for a second here, folks. And let's remember that the Cubs, for some reason, traded Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease to the White Sox for Jose Quintana, okay? And I remember that day, that was, I'm going to be honest with you, that was the day in my fandom where, like, I started to, like, waver a little bit. So it was that summer when I was, like, not entirely into my cubdom, and I was starting to really get a feel for the White Sox. So full transparency. But at the time, I was like, wow, 
if these two guys, Jimenez and Cease, end up being what we think they are, it will be an absolute steal for the White Sox. And and I can say that for Dylan Cease without a doubt. Yep. I don't know that I could say that for Jimenez because, again, the no. best ability is availability and time and time again shows that he cannot stay on the field. Right. And, and, and I believe that Theo wholeheartedly knew that Eloy was a steal for the White Sox. They wanted the Cubs wanted Quintana because they wanted a left-handed, a solid left-handed pitcher in Quintana at the time. He ended up not panning out Quintana. Uh, and I was disappointed that the Cubs got rid of Eloy because there was so much hype behind him. Yeah. And so I'm a little so like the Cubs part of me still has hope for Eloy, but he more uh, more than um Anderson is almost I don't want to say always injured, but he is injured. He's injured too much. He just is. Absolutely. So uh, one thing I want to do together is I do want to kind of talk about the injury history with Eloy. And the reason why I want to do it, and again, I know it's April 10th, folks, and you, I don't want you to think, oh, Shulo, you're totally overreacting. But I, I do want to talk about it because I, I really want to put in perspective what could be potentially coming coming for Eloy Jimenez. Um if you go to his injury history, now, mind you, he's been in this league now for one, two, three, four, five seasons. So his first season, he played in 122 games. Great season of 122 games. Right? Rookie year, 31 home runs in 2019. And of course, every year since then, starting in really 2021, because we had that shortened kind of 2020 season where he played 55 of 60 games. But if you go back to 2021, so over the last two years, and then into 23, this is the injury history, okay? 2021, uh, March 2021, there was end of spring training, pectoral injury. July 2021, groin. September 2021, knee. April 13, 2022, ankle. Another April injury, 2022, hamstring. J- July 2022, leg. Uh, August 22, undisclosed injury. I'm not sure why that says undisclosed, but it's on the list. Um, another August 1 and 22, elbow. Um, end of 22, September, leg. Uh, this this one last week was a strained hamstring. The other hamstring. My observation here is this is not a player with one nagging issue. This is all different things, and that is a huge concern. Yeah, at this point... It is a huge concern because the White Sox felt good coming into the season. They had all the reason in the world to be optimistic. You and I both picked them to win the Central. I I think that they could. They still can. I'm not concerned yet that they can't um, at all, to be honest with you. Um, But he's got to get healthy. And if you've got him out and you've got Anderson out, that's that's the left side of your field shortstop and left field like come on those are those are kind of important positions and, um, and, and it, it's important knowing the office and the offense that those two guys can bring now here's my my kind of thesis i suppose for eloy here is this is a make or break year for him and here's why i say this is because we talked all off season into the spring training about how the Sox had a chip on their shoulder they brought in a new manager, brought in a new coaching staff. This was the year where the Sox looked in the mirror and said, wow, we really effed this up. We got to get on the right track. And guess how much patience 
Jerry Reinsdorf and the front office and fans certainly have for this team next to none. So if they don't perform this year, and a lot of that is because Eloy can't stay on the field. He'll come back to the Cubs. He Right. Right. Like he will not be on this team. And I think this is the last year of the Eloy Jimenez experiment. No, if he doesn't get it together. And did you hear what I said? That you'll come back to the Cubs. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought you said Eloy will come back to the Cubs. No, I said, I said, no, who's going to take him? He's damaged goods. I said, you'll come back. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's a hard pass. Thank you. Because then I can, then I can officially uh, coin you as an Atlanta fan, like your bandwagon. No, no bandwagon. You go to the Sox, and now that it's not working for the Sox, you're like, okay, I'll go back to the Cubs. Well, I love. Well, okay, so I gotta, I gotta say, that's funny that you say that because I have gotten shit before, like offhanded comments about, oh, well, well, you, you know, you moved over to the Sox, you know, when you know you're such a bandwagon fan. I was like, dude, I moved over to the Sox right after the Cubs won the World Oh, something's happening. Yeah, I had an ad playing on my computer. So this is a thank you uh, brought to you by a baseball reference. At least it's not inappropriate material for those under 18. Yeah, they, yeah, there you go. Um, but what I was going to say was I get crap all the time about, oh, you know, you, you know, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're a bandwagon fan. Like, folks, I left Cubs fandom right after they won the World Series and the Sox were just terrible. So that is not the definition of bandwagon by any stretch yeah, of the no, imagination. <laughs> no, that's 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 almost the definition, not quite of insanity, but you may as you know, that's that's yeah, no. Yeah, that's like turn that's like that's like going to the waitress and saying, Hey, could you take my cheeseburger back? I'd like a salad. Right. Um, sounds like something asinine to me. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, obviously to some of the Eloy conversation, I am concerned it's something we'll watch. Um, but folks, if, if Eloy's not going to stay in the field this year, I don't know that he's on this team in 2024. It's something we'll follow throughout this, this season, of course. Um, now, before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, I do want to do a hard left here um, uh, and talk about Shohei Otani. But before we do that, I want to give you a couple seconds, couple, uh, a minute or two here, uh, Romanelli, because you yep. posted something on um, – on uh, social media, I think it was Facebook the other day about Dansby Swanson saying like, essentially in layman's terms, you know, breaking it down, you said like, wow, this guy's everything and more than I anticipated. I mean, he is really proving to be a spark for this team and everything they need. Yep. I had a conversation with John Shepsky. If you're listening, Um, I had a conversation with John actually that, that he, that he started with me. Um, saying it looks like that, you know, that Dansby Swanson jerseys are going to start coming. Um, and that's kind of what got me thinking. I think he is better than advertised. I really do. Yeah. I think he is the whole package. I am beyond ecstatic uh, that they've picked him up. I'm beyond ecstatic that he's the real deal um, in, in every aspect from, you know, from uh, team not a, not only team player, but he seems like a team. What's the right word? Uh, ambassador, like an ambassador for the team. He seems like go. a really good team ambassador. He's hitting 375 right now. That's great. He's slugging. He's only slugging 430, but his on base percentage is good. But I think I think he's the offensive spark to the Strowman being the defensive pitching spark. Uh, there's something about Swanson that I completely not completely. I take that back. But I did underestimate. I was like, I didn't think 
that he was going to be this good this quickly. Like he he's just he's killing it. And you've seen his defense. You've seen him start the the that double play with the glove sweep over to to Hap. Like there's every part and the, the throws from short left field. Um, and then maybe three or four days ago, they gave an update on uh, Javi Baez, who's continuing to swing and miss. And that, so it was kind of like Baez, who now I still have a special place in my heart for Baez because, good God, without him, we wouldn't have won the World Series. But the fact that you've got Swanson now for seven years. So, again, you get the first five solid out of him with this kind of energy, this kind of enthusiasm and this kind of leadership. He will take the Cubs places. He will. Um, he's he's he knows how to win. Um, he's been there with Atlanta, and he's just he's tearing it up. Again, hitting three seventy five, but fourteen total bases. That's third on the team. That's impressive in only thirty two at bats. Good stuff. Twelve. It hits. is it the most hits on the team. Yeah, three seventy five most hits on the team, but. And then I'll go over to Ian Happ in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I'm loving everything about Swanson. Um, almost to the point where, but I can't, because I've told my nephew even that I believe Nico Horner will someday be an all-star. Um, again, assuming he stays healthy, and so far so good, uh, assuming he stays healthy. And I believe if he plays every day, he will be. Uh, like my next jersey or T-shirt or whatever will be Horner. Whereas I think the collective whole, the way every fan or whatever, you know, got their Rizzo jerseys, I think the next big swoon in jerseys will be from Swanson. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still sticking with Horner, but my pitching one's got to be Steele. Oh, of course. I could have told you uh, that. Um, yeah, without question. Yeah. Um, but I could not be happier about Dansby Swanson. I swear to God. Like, I'm like, holy crap. It's it, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because, quite frankly, I remember going through the offseason thinking, okay, here's this really solid kind of once-every-10-year shortstop market that the Cubs have to play with. You knew they were going to get at least one of them. And yeah. I always wondered where their heads were at. Like, who was their guy? And when they signed Swanson, we all knew he was a great player. But I often wondered, like, did you really get the guy you wanted? And did you really get the best guy? Now, was it the guy they wanted? I, I do think so. I do think they walked in that offseason going, this is our guy. Was it the best guy on the market? Trey Turner, obviously. Right. But it's working out for them. And it is. It is. This is a guy where he has the right energy with a team where you can build around, you could build this team around this guy. And like you said, the contract matters for how long he's going to be here, but certainly the energy he's bringing. Um, what he's bringing to the clubhouse and just the energy this guy's play with. Like this is like visible watching it on TV. I can see his energy and it gets you pumped. It does. Um, there's no denying his energy. There's no denying his clubhouse uh, leadership. There's no denying how good he really, really is. I, I think the Cubs uh, regarding Swanson specifically, I think you hit the nail on the head. They got the right guy. They got the right guy. Yeah. Was, was it the guy they wanted? We'll never know. But they did get the right guy for them without question. And I am ecstatic. I really am. Did you hear about uh, Dansby's wife, Mallory? I did not. 
So uh, Mallory Swanson actually left the game, left her soccer game, I think it was yesterday, with a torn left patella tendon. Oh, oh so, yeah, she was carted off, the, carted off the field in the United States' win against Ireland. So we really hope she recovers uh, well and soon. That's that's tough. You know what? I forgot. I completely forgot. That's who she was married or he, he was married to. I, yeah, was like, I, I, was like, yeah. I was like, this is making big news. What am I missing? Right. <laughs> honest, to God, honest to God, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm missing something. And that's what now. Okay. I get Being, now. That's just, that's what I'm here for. Just to connect the dots for you. That's just, thank you. <laughs> Cubs, Swanson, um, Swanson, Cubs. Okay. Yeah. I, I totally, yeah. Mallory Swanson. I can picture her now. Yeah. And I saw, I can see the picture in my head of her in her uniform from the article about the injury. I can literally see it now. Oh, that's rough. You just hate to see that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, well, we wish her well. Like I said, recovering quickly. Um, that 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 really sucks. We, we always hate to see that. So um, I do want to transition to talking about an article that uh, Bob Nightingale wrote for USA Today, where he specifically and rather prematurely, if I may say so, started talking about Shohei Otani's uh, free agent market because the best player in the world is a free agent after the 2023 season. And let me be very clear about this. This will be the most followed and the most talked about free agency ever in the history of baseball. And that is not putting it lightly. That is absolutely the case. And it is crazy to think based on what Bob Nightingale is saying that the Cubs may be in on this market. So let's kind of read first exactly what, um, uh, Bob Nightingale had said, and then we're going to talk about it. So this is what he said in his article on USA Today. He said, it's no secret the Dodgers are saving money to sign Shohei as a free agent. The, pa- the Padres have shown no hesitancy spending with the big, big boys. Giants president Larry Bayer had fans chanting his name before their home opener. Speculation grew when Otani sprinted towards Ichiro Suzuki in Seattle to express his admiration. New York Mets, the New York Yankees, and Philadelphia Phillies are the heavy hitters if Otani changes his mind and wants to leave the comforts out west. Yet, the sleeper in the Otani free free agent market, several baseball executives predict, are the Chicago Cubs. They are the only team outside the AL West and NL West that were on Otani's original list when he left Japan six years ago, and certainly they have plenty of money stored up to pay Otani whatever he desires. And then um, he did quote one AL executive that said, and he said, and quote, that's the team no one's talking about. I'm telling you, that's the team to watch out for. I could easily see him going there, talking about the Cubs. We'll see what happens, but that's my call, end quote. Um, what, did you, what did you make of this? Um, it'll be wonderful if it happens, I'll believe, and I'll believe it when I see it. Um, so there's a shroud of doubt for you to even say that. That means you doubt it to a degree. I do to a degree based on the, I, 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 it's impossible for me to say penny pinching when they're, you know, these are billionaires. Um, Otani is once you, you thought that about Mike Trout once in a generation, you thought that about, Bryce Harper once in a generation, but then you watch Shohei Otani and you're like, good God, what he can do behind the plate 
I'm well at bat. I'm sorry, at bat, and then on the mound is just ridiculous. It's we've never seen this in our lifetime. The last person in anybody's lifetime to be like this is Babe Ruth, and is he our generation's Babe Ruth? I don't know, but it sure as hell looks like it. Um, you know, there's five tool player, and then there's Shohei Otani. Um, is he going to be worth half a billion dollars? Very possibly. Um, do I see the Cubs who are currently, who can't get their heads out of their ass with marquee network and decide where the hell they want, what station they want to play on, whether it's marquee or now it's Apple or now it's this and now it's that. Literally, as we speak, there are people right now texting me as we speak that can't watch the game today, Monday, April 10th, because of the bullshit that the Cubs are doing with all the networks. So if Marquis would get its head or, or the Cubs and Ricketts get their heads out of their asses and put uh, the Marquis app and the Marquis name together in one spot so everybody can watch it, all this blackout bullshit reminds me of the stuff with the Blackhawks in the 70s. I can't stand it in any way, shape, or form for any organization in any city. So when I look at all of that, and then I think about what the Ricketts are doing at the moment, uh, I don't see them going after Otani. Um, it will all depend, I think, on how this season plays out, to be completely honest. Again, if they're over 500, if let's say they're 10 games over 500, 90 and 70, then yeah, they're going all in. Outside of them being 90 and 70, I don't think it happens. I would love to see it happen. Everybody in Chicago would. Um, but I don't know. Realistically, I don't know. There's a reason that they're a sleeper. Um, and you heard, the, uh, you heard that uh, Suzuki has talked with Otani about coming. There's not a team on the planet that wouldn't take him. Will they go get him? I don't know, man. And I am promising myself not to get caught up in any of it for a long ass time because of everything that I've seen um, personally, uh, or at least in the last couple of years with the Cubs and the weighing on the souls of those players. I don't want to go. I don't want to watch it. Just let me know when it happens. Cause you watch Chris Bryant cry. You watched Hap and Contreras hug um, for them getting dumped. And I know it's a different story with free agency um, as opposed to being traded or whatever. But ultimately we know that Otani gets to choose. Um, is Chicago that appealing to him? I have no idea. I don't know if anybody knows. I think it's, again, it's way too early. We're eight games in and you're talking about, you know, the Cubs potentially getting Otani. I don't know, man. I would love it. I would love I, it. I, I, I mean, I, who, which fan, which fan of which team wouldn't love it? I mean, there's, when I think about the Cubs prospects here, I like to kind of go through a list of questions. Number one is the interest there. Obviously, if you own a baseball team and you want to win games, the interest is going to be there. Number two, well, are you willing to pay him? Well, that's, I would that's, that's it right there. That's are it. You, now, yeah. th now, are you willing versus can you two different things? Can the Cubs pay him? Absolutely. Don't be fooled. Yeah, are they willing to? That's the real question. Remember, they're worth billions. That's a with a B. They're not hundreds of millions. They're worth billions. They're one of the top five most popular franchises in the history of the world. Good God. Um, 
uh, at least in the United States, uh, yeah. maybe not the world. That, that's that's ignoring soccer completely, which is sure, which would be sinful. Um, but uh, I'll be really, really curious. I just don't know if they'll pony up. The, the, like, but now look at this. If you have Steel, if you have Strom, imagine Stroman, Steel, and Otani in any order as one, two, three. Think about that. Yeah. Holy hell. That, that's really hard to fathom. I mean, that's, I think that, about that, that right yeah. there. If you've got now, I told you since last year, steel was my guy. I had doubts about Stroman and he's, he's exceeding them. So you have those three and you have Swanson doing, you know, hitting out of his mind. You have Hap right now who we haven't talked about yet. Who's on base percentage is five twenty eight. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. You you put all those little pieces together, you get a bullpen. All of a sudden, not only are you winning the National League Central, you're scaring the hell out of teams. I just found out Tampa Bay is now 10 and 0. Um, that, literally within the last 15 minutes. Um, wow. but who are you but who who's not going to be scared of playing the Cubs if you have that as a one, two, three? There's no way to they go they make the playoffs. There's no way to they they even go to the bullpen. You do what uh, Madden did, and you just ride your starters. Almost dare I say, do what Dusty Baker did, and you know ruin two, one too many arms. Um, but do they get Otani? Good God, I hope so. I hope so. It would it would really be something, you know. I think obviously it's something we'll be, we'll continue to follow. But but one thing I do want to throw out there is. Um, Interesting little nugget to think about is if you know anything about Japanese culture, it's that Japanese culture is very hierarchical. So they take seniority very seriously. And um, my understanding is when a lot of these Japanese players come to the United States, you would think that they would gravitate towards teams with other Japanese players. But that's actually very much not the case because there is a respect for this seniority and hierarchical relationship that some of these other already established Japanese players have. So especially when you look at it, like a Shohan and a Suzuki, they did, they both have, you know, some time in the league, you know, a little over a year for Suzuki, a couple years for Otani. Um, I think that is part from the Japanese culture, a calculation as well. I, I really think about what big stars, what big Japanese stars have come and played here in the States. You think about, um, you know, Nomo, you think of Ichiro Suzuki, you think of um, um, Daisuke Matsuzaka when he was with the Red, Stock, Red Sox. And can you name another Japanese player that was with them on those teams? You can't, not really. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. So then where does he end up? That's a great question um, because you, you look at the Mets, uh, Kodai Senga, they just signed him. Um, you go to the Yankees. I'm trying to think if the Yankees currently have any Japanese players. I don't think they do. Um, so I don't know. It's very interesting dynamic. This is going to be folks like I'm so excited to talk about this because this contract is going to be at least 500 million. And that's being conservative. I think. Yeah. I, I, that's where, that's where my mind settles is, is 500, you know, maybe 550, it's money we can't possibly fathom. Good God! Right. Um, 
but uh, I'm going to say 500 million because is it is it Harper that is it like 400 million or is it I don't even know. Good God. Um, That's okay. No, I do want to find out what it is because it is it is in fact Mike Trout's 12 years 426.5. Okay. So 426. So yeah, you I, you would Yeah, you would go, you'd go you would go all in at half a billion. Holy hell. But, half a billion. But, but see, if I'm Shohei's agent, I'm going to these teams and going Trout got 126 for playing for hitting and playing the outfield. My guy plays at a Mike Trout level. You could make the argument probably better. Yeah, and yeah. he pitches at a Cy Young caliber. You're getting two players for the price of one. It, just, just objectively by those numbers, that's 700, 800 million of yeah. value. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, I mean, holy cow. Like, wrap your head around that. And, and you add on top of that what he brings your organization as far as branding, marketing, outreach, market for a billion. Just market for a billion. Sure. And anything less is disappointment. God, just sheer value is a billion. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. So, so then you're only talking of five teams, L.A., New York, either side. L.A., New York, the way San Diego is spending money, maybe San Diego and Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's just nuts. That's nuts. I mean, it, maybe maybe Seattle, if the way if Seattle keeps playing this way, because it's West Coast and he just moves up a little bit further north. If, if, if there's any, there's teams out there that are very fiscally conservative, but they will spend the money when they really want to. And I do see Seattle being one of those that would splurge in this case. I do yeah. see that. Yeah, I think now I wholeheartedly believe that, I don't know, something about my innards believes that. <laughs> the gross. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs somewhat mirror uh, Boston in, in their cycle of winning. So, you know, they, they won in 16. It's now been seven years and they're, they're building back up. And you can tell because those last few years have been rough, uh, more, more tears shedding than rough because you're just watching everything you ever dreamed of as a fan come true in 2016. And then piece by piece, just like pulling every single hair out of your head one at a time. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're now back on that trajectory and building in, in a manner in which the timing for Otani would be perfect. That would put them over the top to legitimately compete for the next five to 10 years. Let's say five to seven. Yeah. They're, they're, I think either way, this is going to be, and this is the last thing I'll say on the, on, the, on the topic, but this is one of those things where this may be the only time where if you invest that money that you'll get it back. And, and I, like you look at these big contracts, we talked about this over the off season, all these big contracts going into um, players age 40 season. And you know, you buy that contract and you sign that guy for the first half of that contract. You're not signing it for any value in the back half. Yep. If anyone's going to be an exception to that, if I were to bank on an exception, it's Shohei Otani. Completely agree. Yeah. Because he's, because like you said, he's, He's both pitcher and batter extraordinaire. Oh, 
just sick. It's just sick to think about. It is sick. Wow. Um, so before we head out of here, um, I do want to do you know a, a fun thing. Before we get to that fun thing, I don't even know if I told you this, but um, we got a, a suggestion from from a listener um, about something to talk about, and I, I didn't even tell you this is a little bit of a surprise. And I um, I have a little bit of a history with this because I've done this in the past. You're gonna hate that I say this. DraftKings fantasy sports betting. Okay, listen, listen. So. DraftKings, and we're not even going to pay for this. So, DraftKings, you're hearing this, you know, write the check, please. Um, but uh, there is a fantasy uh, fantasy sports app that DraftKings does, and it's different from their sports books where you're betting the odds. On the fantasy app, it's really cool because day to day, you're essentially, you know, buying in two, four, six dollars, whatever it is. You make your lineup for the day. You have fifty thousand in cap money to right, spend and right make there. your lineup. And then you can win, you can win obviously cash and stuff. So I have $2 in and I'm winning six right now for today, but uh, I, we may have to, in the future, make some picks I on, like that. while we're but, here. Live. But, but, but we're going to use a different, uh, we're going to use mm, maybe FanDuel. We can't you use You are such, you're so bitter. Oh my oh, God. You, help you, you want me to help you get that stick out of your ass? God damn. Hold on. Who's the one that, wait, who's the, and, and which one of the two of us switched sides? What, what does that have to do oh! with this conversation? What does that have to do with this? That's totally Loyalty. different. Yeah, I, I know. Loyalty. I know. Okay. No, um, um, <laughs> yeah, no, Dra- DraftKings, no. Unless you come calling to the Crosstown Baseball Show with a big fat check, you can shove it up your tail. Okay, well, we'll just call it like we'll we'll incognito. We'll call it like daf. We'll do it like Cafdings, and we'll just not say their name. Okay, great. Let's use we'll just use a different app. I don't mind <laughs> doing it, but no, man, that's like no, that's like no, no. All right, all right. To no. to to be determined, folks. Um, yeah. All right. Highest bidder, highest highest uh, bidding sponsor. Okay. Yeah. Up. Yeah. There we go. Now, that's hey, awesome. I mean, if they're paying us, that's a whole yeah, different thing. If DraftKings can outbid uh, FanDuel, fine. Then I'll, eat Crow, <laughs> then I'll eat Crow, and I'll make that just the same way Pete Rose made the first official bet in Ohio or whatever the hell that was uh, once gambling was legal. Um, uh, I'll go to DraftKings and eat Crow and place a bet there. That's great. I'll hold you to that. That's fantastic. Um I don't, right. don't think I'm calling us, but hey, fucking no, I don't think so. But I, that doesn't mean I'll reach out to them and not broach the topic. Now That's that you've right. said that, um, right. bring it, bring it. Okay, so last thing, um, you know, we're getting ready to go to games. We've each been to one game so far this year. Um, was just curious to know, like, what's your uh, your ballpark food go to? Well, um, you can't go wrong with a hot dog, hot dog and a beer at a game. That's that's tradition. So you get your dog, you get your old style, and away you go. Um, Keep it that, that, Now that's me being the old man. Get off my lawn. Uh, right. Talking. I, now I know the food has changed tremendously over the years, um, but I still go with what what my kids want to eat because it's more more fun for me to share nachos with my kids than you know getting a big beef sandwich and you know getting it all over my hands and shit. Right. Um, <laughs> So, but I get it. I get the lure or the, you know, the lure of the food. I know there was a special, I think it was on ABC 
that that specifically focus on the food at uh, guaranteed rate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, first off, can't, you're right. Can't go wrong with I don't drink, so I'm assuming I'm going to trust you on the beer part. But you can't go wrong with the dog at all. Um, there's there's no better smell for me in the world than walking in the ballpark, especially guaranteed rate, and getting kind of that hot dog and onion, grilled onion smell. Oh. Yep. I still get a bag of peanuts every game. Sharing the, again, really? Share, again, sharing those with my kids. Yeah, hell yeah. Bag oh, of peanuts. Are, I, in that regard, I'm very, I'm old school, whatever you want to call it. Uh, tradition. Uh, I'm fine with it. Um, but I remember being younger and loving, I don't even know if they still have it. I should check. Like Connie's Pizza. I don't even know if they have Connie's Pizza anymore. Um, I think they have Giordano's now. Really? I think that so. Would, that would make sense. Oh, the other thing, did we talk? Oh, we did talk about this already, like them switching from Pepsi to Coke. Yeah, oh, we did that on like our first show ever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know they went to Coke, uh, but I will make a point of it. I promise you, the next game I go to, to try something different, I'll either have my daughter take a picture or friends or whoever I go with. Um, you might act well. That's what, when is that game in May that we're going to? I think we're, we're going to May, May 9th, I think it is. Yeah. So if I don't get to a game before then, um, uh, then I'll definitely try something new in front of you. And actually, I have to buy your meal and beer, don't I? Because it's Yes, you do. Because it's Strowman. Bingo, bango. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll say this. I, I'm pretty lucky because the White Sox are notorious for having really good food. And they do. Um, for the most part with some exceptions, but when I go, um, I usually will get first off any, every time a buddy and I go to the ballpark and I really do this with anyone I go to there with is, um, I go to that white Sox bar and grill right across the street. They're connected to the building cheese curds. Fantastic. Uh Burgers there. Fantastic. You can't go wrong with the apps. They have like, there's like pork, uh, these pork nachos that are just to die for. They're awesome. Um, but if you are going to the ballpark this year, a few things that I'm going to ask you to get. Number one is I do want you to try that hot honey chicken. I know I was disappointed with it, but give it a shot. And then they have the best root beer floats. The best Ooh. root beer floats. I'm, they're, they're awesome. That that I'm willing to – that, yeah, I'll, I'll be all in for a root beer float. I haven't like, had one forever. Well, here, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll 12. Yeah, you'll, you, you, we'll do this. You're you're my guest in July when the Cubs are playing the White Sox. It's going to be hot in the middle of July. Root beer floats on me. Round, one round all around. Perfect. Right. Love it. Perfect. Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, we covered a lot of ground today, folks. Do not forget to like us everywhere you follow us on social. Listen to us where you get your podcast. Watch us on YouTube. Until next time, go White Sox. Go Cubs.